0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 Plus, age varies by jurisdiction, Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: What's up everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. You're listening to the AP Laboratory where myself. Craigstown, Matt Lane all get together to talk about last week's game, look ahead to next week's opponents, and we'll be looking ahead a lot on this episode this week. Obviously, the Chiefs are about to play the Los Angeles Rams in a big Monday night football game that was supposed to be in Mexico City. That game has been moved due to the field looking like my backyard. And uh, they're going to go ahead and just play a, a regular road game in Los Angeles in the L.A. Coliseum. Uh, So it's it's still going to be a lot of fun. It's a Monday night game. Both teams are nine and one I don't think I need to tell you that but um, Matt and Craig have been both watching some Rams tape in preparation for this game So I've got a lot of questions to ask them and we'll we'll try to give you as much info as we can about this team and and the uh, The task at hand trying to get to ten wins Before their bye week and uh, we'll see we'll see what happens First, we I think we have to talk about Patrick Mahomes, right? Um, he broke Len Dawson's record, 30 touchdown passes in a regular season, broke that record, broke it in great fashion. I, I love the throw that that he actually broke it on. Uh, the Cardinals were playing uh, cover two. The Chiefs weren't empty, and Mahomes showed... Fantastic anticipation to throw to the back of Tyreek Hill's head before he even broke in back to the ball, um, and and he, he was rewarded with his thirty first touchdown. It was it was a great ball, and uh, it's just another kind of just a representation of all the stuff that we've we've seen to this point of this kid. Everything he does, he, every week he comes out and does something special, and um, that was a great throw. the The throw, couple plays before it was great. Uh, I've got a write up going up on Arrowhead Pride should be up by the time this podcast is up, profiling both those plays. Um, it was just it was a fun day to to see those things happen. Wasn't perfect. Uh, there's still plenty of stuff that he needs to work on. And actually, we'll just go ahead and, and answer a, qu- a question from uh, the mailbag now. At Chief Hawks Five asked, it looked like Mahomes was holding on to the ball a little bit longer, looking for the big play yesterday while guys were open underneath. Any concerns the sacks go up moving forward? So um, I don't know if I'm concerned about the sacks getting you know going up further you know as we move forward, but um, I did notice that there was a couple plays where I thought Mahomes just should have worked down to the running back quicker. I think he was looking at some of the deeper options and wound up taking a couple sacks on third downs uh, that, you know, he should have just, you know, probably found his outlet, worked down to the, to the running back and, uh, and, and lived to fight another down. Maybe, you know, on a couple of them, he might've even converted uh, the, the, the first down. I think even, you know, even throwing short of the sticks, I still think it was possible you know, people kind of you know made fun of Alex Smith because you know he would always check down. Checkdowns are not a bad thing. Uh, it's just how frequently you are throwing the checkdown is the problem, and that's something that in this case I would have liked Mahomes to do on a couple of these plays because I think he could have got positive positive yards, avoided sacks, and possibly even converted them. So, you know, I, I think. That's just one of those things. He's seen it. He knows what he needs to do now. I, I anticipate, you know, if there's a situation that presents itself similarly, uh, he'll go and execute and, and, and just do the right thing. Especially in a game where you know field position this week, field position is going to matter, and you know every little bit's going to matter. Scoring points is going to matter a lot too. So, um, you know, something to keep an eye on. I don't think it's going to become an epidemic, and I don't. I think he'll fix it. He's been really quick to fix everything. Um, We're going to bring Matt on. We're going to talk about the Rams defense. A lot of talent on that side of the ball. And then we'll bring Craig on later, talk about the offense. And then we will end the show with a giant mailbag. And time to bring on Matt Lane. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. What's going on, my man?
2: Uh, it's going pretty good. I'm just over here trying to figure out how to put Ron Parker pictures in our rundown so we know what we're doing.
1: <laughs> Matt, I, I have strategically removed editorial rights from our Google documents from you because you keep ruining my attempt to like read questions and you're adding your own narratives and stuff during I, I can't stand it. It is driving me up a wall.
2: I'm literally just testing your ability to adapt and overcome like the Chiefs were able to do against the Cardinals this past weekend, man.
1: What a great transition but yeah, I'm going to spoil it. I sound like Ron Burger, I'm like basically Ron Burgundy. Like I read, from, well, I read what's on the prompter. So whenever you're throwing stuff like that like I, it, I i i struggle immensely
2: and we're gonna have to get somebody else to do the rundown i'm gonna need privileges back now that i know that you're just gonna say whatever i type in there
1: no this is there's no way that ends badly the last you're just gonna start you're just gonna start editing every question in the mailbag to relate to the draft
2: what i would never you literally last week you were like so you speaking were like of trying to
1: like No, let's just, let's pace ourselves. It's not even Thanksgiving yet. Actually, let's, let's go ahead and talk about the last game before Thanksgiving. How about that? The, the Los Angeles Rams, they play it next week. And uh, I wanted to ask you about Marcus Peters to start this off. What have you seen from him so far this year?
2: Man, Marcus hasn't had himself a very good year. Like, I know at the beginning of the year, we were having some fun. Well, I was having some fun on Twitter, just kind of egging people on, talking about, oh, yeah, we definitely need him. As you saw him get beat almost every single game for some big plays. But as the year's gone on, like, it's not even worth going to Twitter to mess with people about it anymore because he's literally just been bad at football this year.
1: I, it doesn't make sense. Like, I mean, I know we've talked about like might be like just how he's being utilized, but like, what, like, what do you think it is?
2: I think that's a big part of it. I think since tlaib has gone down with his injury, Wade Phillips kind of switched over to have Marcus Peters play what Wade Phillips considers his number one corner, which is a press, kind of press on the outside. Occasionally, he'll kick inside to take a big X receiver or something like that in the slot. And what's happening is Marcus just. He doesn't have the best press technique in the world. He's not super strong with his hands. He's good at slowing someone down, but if they beat his jam quickly and cleanly, he just doesn't have the athleticism to play from trail technique against well-placed throws. We saw with the Chiefs kind of his rookie year, he was really feast or famine, and a lot of his feast was on passes that were poorly thrown or to a different receiver. When his guy was targeted, he gave up a lot of big plays. And you saw all of a sudden the next year we started getting that 5, 8, 10 yards off coverage that Chiefs fans hated. Right. But maybe there was something to it, as you're starting to see, when asked to press for the majority of the game, he just hasn't quite as been as big of a playmaker for the Rams.
1: Been ungood, actually. Um, okay, so... Marcus, are they? I mean, do you think that they're going to make any adjustments against the Chiefs, or are they just going to keep running him out there and making him do stuff he's not great at?
2: Actually, this past week, they did flip and play a lot more zone. They still played plenty of man and asked him to press some and would even pull him up to the line and still drop him into zone. But they definitely played a lot more zone coverage this last week against the Seahawks. Part of that could have been because of the running quarterback. They don't want to give man to man coverage and give Russell Wilson a chance just to run around with nobody watching him. And part of it could have been because they're kind of realizing Peters works better with his eyes on the quarterback, and it's not Wade Phillips' thing to just play soft off coverage. So it may be a little bit of a balance there. We could have already seen a change happening. But until Talib comes back, he's still their clear-cut number one corner. He's going to get the hardest matchups, and at some point in time, you're going to have to put him in man coverage on these other guys. And again, if he's not winning that press at the line of scrimmage, he has a hard time keeping up.
1: Cool. Uh that that's great stuff, man. Um how about Aaron Donald? Uh, you know, best probably one of the best interior defensive linemen in all of football. Are you worried about him holding up against a piecemeal interior offensive line?
2: So I don't get to talk about him much because we don't end up talking about the Rams a whole lot and stuff like that. Aaron Donald's not maybe one of the best interior defensive linemen of football. Like he is the best. <laughs> it's not even close. Yep. I would take Aaron Donald the way he's played this year and last year over that peak JJ Watt. And I understand how great J.J. Watt was, but he was getting like his choice of where to line up along the defensive line to attack a weak spot. Aaron Donald doesn't get that. He gets to put, play three tech. He's getting double teamed anytime an offensive line wants to. They will literally cross up defensive tackles face to go send help at Aaron Donald. They will leave someone in a terrible spot to block, even Sue, to give extra attention to Aaron Donald, and he literally doesn't care. He's been that good. He's that good at football, and it's insane to watch what he does at his size just on the inside. So yeah, he's going to give us a lot of trouble. I think we kind of saw last week that interior offensive line that's pieced together start to struggle a little bit with some picking up some stunts and stuff like that. You may not see as many stunts, but they're going to have to be on their toes to stop Donald from completely destroying a game. He can very easily have 10 pressures by himself in a game
1: do you uh do you think we get in good in and sue this week?
2: I'm not sure I think this has been two big emotional games for the Rams one loss, one win now there's these travel mix ups and plans with the whole field situation. I don't know how much everybody's going to be one hundred percent in there. I don't know if the chiefs have anybody in the organization or even specific players that really get sue riled up, so I think this just might be a you know, a game check kind of game for him, but still a game check Sue is still a good player. Like he's not bad no matter what. So it's not gonna be a bad player. Just I don't know if you're gonna get one of those crazy Sue games where he's really out to completely destroy Sam Bradford.
1: Right. Right. Um okay last question. Just give me a prediction on who has a big game on offense for the Chiefs this week.
2: I think everybody. I think it's gonna be a shootout. So like no one person's gonna be crazy good while everybody else is pretty average. I will say I would be surprised if the Rams are willing to let Marcus Peters go at Tiger Kill uh, one-on-one coverage. If I were the Chiefs, I would bait them into trying to get Peters to press Hill. So I'd put Hill up on the line of scrimmage if Peters is the man on him. I would trust Hill to beat that jam far more often than he doesn't. And there's no way Peters is keeping up. So if we can get that matchup, if we can goat them into it, I would say Tiger Kill has a huge game.
1: That would be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I think that's what everybody's looking forward to seeing. Maddie, we'll bring you on back here in a few minutes for the mailbag. And now it is time to bring on the credentialed media member of the Arrowhead Pride Nerd Squad, Craig Stout. What is going on, my man?
3: Oh, not much. Credentialed media member. that That's a big, big uh, statement about me there. I'm not sure I like that. You're
1: big time now. You actually got to go on and and be like, you know, with, you know, actual media members. Like, instead of us pretending to be media and just going out and, you know, grinding tape and all that stuff. You are legit at Arrowhead.
3: Yeah, I I was legit at Arrowhead, but I don't know how... Legit of a media member there, just because I got to turn around and see some people that I was like, "Oh, hey, it's the Star Riders and these guys that are radio people and you know the Chiefs Riders." Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't mean that I'm anywhere close to that sort of thing. No, it was a great experience. Went there with uh, one of our fellow editors of Arrowhead Pride, Ali Trost. Uh, got to watch the game. Got to see pre snap alignments, and that was nice from a charting standpoint <laughs> because wasn't having to wait for the broadcast to cut to the the formation right before the snap and then yeah got to go down to the locker room and be part of the media scrum and you guys are having fun with a picture of me in the background of tyree kill oh, interview right now y-
1: yes i am and it is probably the the gift of the century it's the gift that keeps on giving just trying to find ways to use happy craig and, and angry craig it's been like probably the most fun i've had the last couple weeks my favorite one is comparing you to the old man in home alone
3: I, I accept that comparison actually that that that's really good and that's not even angry craig that's just normal craig face so it's it's kind of putting my <laughs> <laughs> putting my anger level in perspective here
1: i would i would hate to see angry craig then
3: yeah you <laughs> you just, wouldn't like me when i'm angry Ken.
1: i kind of believe it actually <laughs> um so, um, was there any reasons to be angry at the Chiefs' defense against the Cardinals?
3: Uh, we had two drives that, if I really wanted to nitpick, I could. But no, the the defense was good this week. It was a bad offense that they were going up against, and a bad offensive line. Getting Justin Houston back definitely helped, but D. Ford, Chris Jones, Justin Houston absolutely wrecked everything in the cardinals game plan this week they were completely dominant they just flat out ruined everything and it was great to watch um
1: is there okay so is there reasons for optimism then with this unit heading into the biggest game of the year
3: I think we're seeing at this point that the identity that the Chiefs defense truly has here isn't one of like a shutdown defense. And to be fair, there's not really any shutdown defenses in the NFL right now. Every defense is poor. But I think what we're seeing is a defense that can really get after the quarterback with their edges and get interior pressure. And then we're seeing them be a lot more opportunistic on the back end. All they really got to do is get two three stops with this uh with this defense and the offense will typically take care of the opposition it's it's kind of nice to watch
1: well the uh the opposition is a, uh, a daunting one this upcoming week however they will be without cooper cup wide receiver for the los angeles rams what kind of impact do you think the loss of cooper cup is on that unit
3: You know, if you listen to the Rams, they will try and convince you that Josh Reynolds is going to be able to step in and they're not going to be able to miss a beat. But if you look at the target share that they have, especially in the red zone, Cooper Cup is a go to guy for them. He gets 20 percent of their targets. That's a big number for a wide receiver. Josh Reynolds, when he's been on the field in place of Cooper Cup, has gotten under 10 percent. So, he's not even getting the same number of targets as Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup's a really smart receiver. He's a really sharp guy and he sells routes, runs routes well. He's a guy that can disguise kind of a run versus a pass, you know, getting off the line there and kind mm-hmm. of throw DBs for a little bit of a loop. I think they lose a little bit of their dynamic nature out of their 11 personnel.
1: Well, and speaking of 11 personnel, a great help on that transition there, buddy. Um, I mean, the the Rams are heavily in 11 personnel. It's over like 90%, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. It's 94% of the time they are in 11 personnel. The league average is 62%. So the Chiefs are the Chiefs, the Rams are just constantly with three wide receivers, one tight end, and then typically Todd Gurley. So... They are a team that will give you just about every look that they possibly can out of that. They'll go empty. They'll, they'll do t- a lot of tight bunches, a lot of condensed formations, and they'll run out of them and kind of use the trips to uh, act as a shield if they've got a, a trips to one side there. They just have a lot of dynamic things that they do out of it. They run a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of end arounds with those wide receivers. It's very tough to keep track of those wide receivers in the way that sean mcveigh uses them the chiefs are going to have their hands full this week with their corners
1: so okay you've been you've been charting all season you have a pretty good feel for what the chiefs like to do against 11 personnel do you have any like maybe splits or any any kind of clear obvious approach that the chiefs use coverage wise against 11 personnel
3: well, typically, against eleven personnel they're in their two four defense uh their nickel or they're in their dime if it's a you know a third down or a second and long situation and in those, they tend to run more middle of the field closed that's a cover one or a cover three uh shell back there. They have started to mix in a lot more cover two and especially this past week, we did see a fair amount of cover five as a two man underneath there so they're starting to bring some of those you know middle of the field open coverages into their schemes but for the most part it is cover one man or a cover three zone
1: have they have they played pretty well against 11 personnel for most of the year
3: it's it's by far the the best personnel grouping that they play against uh currently on the year they're averaging five yards per play against 11 personnel and they've seen it 70% of the year. Of the rest of their major... Uh, personnel that they group up against 12 personnel is over seven yards per play Uh, (laughs) 21 personnel is six and a half yards per play so they just they're much better against 11 personnel now that doesn't equate to stopping the rams this week they're a completely different beast out of that but it is a more favorable schematic matchup from a personnel standpoint for the chiefs this week than maybe in some previous weeks like against the Broncos or against the Patriots.
1: Let's hope that, uh, let's hope that continues. That trend continues. Uh, Matt or Craig, how about we bring Matt on and do a little mailbag? Sounds good. And we're all reunited again, as we are at the end of every episode, ready to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. we got some mailbag questions here. We'll start with real Danny Bailey. Uh, heading into the Rams game, what do you think the plan is to contain Todd Gurley? Running backs have had massive success against us this year. How do we stifle one of the best running backs in the league?
3: You know, it, it's going to be near impossible to stifle Todd Gurley with the way that they run their misdirections. They get him ball in, the ball in space. He's a good pass catcher. I think that's the one spot that the Chiefs are just going to have to realize that they're just going to give up yardage this week. They can they can try and do a little damage, try and collapse up front, be a little gap sound, and make sure that they uh, get some penetration to try and redirect him so that he's not hitting the hole at full speed. And then you got to hope that Reggie Ragland, who has stepped up and started playing better, can fill gaps, and they can try and contain him a little bit on early downs, but in the passing game, I think you're just trying to limit what, you, what he can get this week.
2: Yeah, Gurley's been an absolute animal this year, and he's kind of the perfect kind of running back to give us a ton of problems, but on the same hand, so was David Johnson, and not that he didn't have a very good game against us, but... If you want to come back and say that, you know, Gurley has that kind of game against us, I think I would almost be okay with it. Because oh, for at sure. No point, yeah, at no point in time yeah. was I like, David Johnson's just destroying this game for us. So, yeah, he can get his if he's getting it 10 yards at a time at best. So, if we can do that, we can rally to the ball, we can tackle better like we have these last few weeks, and just make Gurley work through more traffic than we did at the beginning of the year, I think that's their best bet.
1: Yep, I, I agree. Uh, at mbyondy asks do you think that Eric Fisher is the weak link along the offensive line Chandler Jones made him look silly a number of times on Sunday if so is this a problem going forward
2: alright so Eric Fisher definitely had his worst game of the year I think we all know that and like there's this feeling out there that okay Chandler Jones is a really good pass rusher, rusher which is very true but that doesn't excuse some of the losses that Fisher took he has his same issues as before. It's just a lack of consistency. He'll take a very short kick slide on a 45-degree set, and it just he doesn't get enough depth to handle a speed rush. Or when he reaches to go out and punch, when he should probably just be catching the rusher, he'll forget to slide his feet and end up leaning. And the same issue that's plagued him more than anything else, he still has no concept of what to do when a person long arms him. I don't know how Mitchell Schwartz needs to get him out on the field and show him how to stop a long arm because Mitchell Schwartz went to the Big Dukes little O-line camp. They have hinted at it on Twitter multiple times. If you've watched Mitchell Schwartz, you've seen him destroy people when they try to get him with a long arm by clubbing it down and pretty much just falling on top of him. Somehow somebody needs to show Eric Fisher how to do this so he quits getting long-armed into the quarterback As far as being the weak link, though, I still think that's the interior line right now. This was Fisher's first bad game of the year, and it came against a very good pass rusher. It's not acceptable, but he's still a better player overall than I would say everybody besides Mitchell Schwartz is playing right now.
3: Yeah, absolutely. He's the number two offensive lineman. Uh, He's had a fantastic year this far. He's actually looked really good run blocking as well, especially in space, and yeah, he's he's shut down a couple of really good pass rushers. The Chiefs have played some really good pass rush tandems this year, and this is the first one that's really given him fits, so yeah I agree with everything that Matty's saying there um, I don't know that it would be a problem going forward. I, I'm not necessarily worried about it. Now, this week against a Rams pass rush on the outside that's not as good, if he sees some of the same issues, then we can kind of start talking about it. But he owned up to it in the post game. said that, you know, he had a really off game and that he knows the things that he needs to go out and work and fix.
1: Yeah, I'm not worried about him at all. Um, I, I think, you know, I think he's had a, a – pretty good year honestly i, I agree and in there's so many other problems that they're just trying to sort through on the line they're trying to just hold everything up together with duct tape in the middle so yeah, i'm not stressed about eric fisher right now at the chiefs fan 24 asks do you see the chiefs going all in on free agents and trades next off season like the rams did this year in goff's third season um no i don't i don't see them going the same rams approach the chiefs really value draft picks the Rams are all about turning those assets into players that are established and trying to load up on as many dudes as they can to create, you know, to maximize this rookie window. I think the Chiefs still have some more of a long game. Now, that being said, I think some, I think some free agents are going to be attracted to Kansas City and they'll make some moves there. But as far as really moving and being aggressive with assets, I still think they want to use them in the draft.
2: Yeah, and that's the wild card, is Brett Veach is wildly aggressive, so you're not 100% sure what to think about yet. Even this year, during the season, he's making all these phone calls. But I agree with Kent. I think you're going to see them go through at least one more offseason of trying to do like that final set, set of rebuilds along the defensive side of the ball and see what they go with into the year next year. Now, if you want to tell me... At the trade deadline during the season, if something's not panning out or the following offseason, they try to go for that last hurrah when you have somebody like Sammy Watkins at the last part of their deal. And I think Eric Fisher's kind of getting close to the point where you can cut him then, and some money's going to come off the books. You want to try to go for it in that 20, what, 2020 season at that point in time? Maybe. But this next offseason, I think they're going to use their assets and still try to build the team for the long term
3: totally agree they got four picks in the top 100 this year i think they're going to use all of them probably on defense and they're going to try and build it up and have a nice young cheap nucleus and then i think conversely in 2020 they may only have a pick in the top 100 if they you know are able to kind of wheel and deal and go all in if they hadn't won it yet under Patrick's contract
1: Nice. Uh, At Keith McLean, 78. He's bringing the heat here. Uh, Question. You live in a city known worldwide for its barbecue. You go to a barbecue restaurant with ribs, brisket, burn ends on the menu and order a smoked fried chicken sandwich. What kind of sociopath are you, Kent? Kent, you don't get to
3: answer. Kent, you don't get to answer. Mute your microphone. You are a sociopath. You don't get to answer. Don't listen to Kent's food takes ever.
2: I have nothing else to add. That is 100%. Oh, no, I do have something else to add. Kent also hates sweet potato fries, so we can add that to the sociopath list.
1: (laughs) Okay, next question. Oh, wait, no, it's not the next question. I have my mic back on. Look, the smoke-fried chicken sandwich is delightful at Q39. You can still surround yourself with good barbecue flavors. You can get burn-ins as an appetizer, but the smoke-fried chicken sandwich is sneakily one of the best treats in all of kansas city try it sometime in conjunction with burn-ins in conjunction with whatever barbecue you want at q39 but add the
2: smoke you go to applebee's for the two for twenty (laughs) dollar menu (laughs) My
3: two-year-old knew not to order chicken at the barbecue restaurant kent
1: come on man i i still got plenty of delicious barbecue flavorings you guys are haters. Next question, cutting you off. At Kenny with the Coke asks, "Oh, Matt, draft question. Any chance we draft a tight end in this deep tight end class?"
2: Ooh, this is a fantastic tight end class. So like off the get go, that's something that you have to know going in. Whether you're looking for a pure receiving tight end, a little bit more traditional inline tight end. I mean, you're looking at minimum seven, but probably closer to 10 guys that are, I mean, just quality prospects that are good at one or both. I don't expect Demetrius Harris back next year, and we've seen the Chiefs still like to use him a whole lot, so I would say there's a good chance. The tricky part comes in is what kind of value are the Chiefs going to place on a second tight end at this point in time? I'm hoping they do. Somebody like TJ Hawkinson would be kind of my lead guy right now. He gives me serious George Kittle vibes. I love Irv Smith out of Alabama. Yeah, now he, I love George Kittle coming out. The tape didn't quite match what Kittle's like athleticism profile did. TJ Hawkinson, on the other hand, he he plays like that kind of athlete and still blocks just like George Kittle did at Iowa. Like, he's my top guy right now. He's obviously not the first tight end that I'm going to have coming off the board. That probably belongs to his teammate, Noah Fant. But just I love his game. Irv Smith, my number two guy that I'm hoping they look for, a little undersized, but coming out of Alabama, you know he knows how to block. He spent most of the early part of his career in line blocking, and he's still a fantastic athlete. That again, trying to use another same college tight end vibes, and the uniforms play trick, but he's very O.J. Howard like in the way he moves and has the ability to block. So that's kind of two guys that I love. The problem is, are the Chiefs going to want to look for a tight end? or another wide receiver to eventually take over for Sammy Watkins and replace Chris Conley and maybe push Demarcus Robinson, I don't think you get both wide receiver and tight end. So that's kind of what you're looking between.
3: Yeah, and if I'm taking a tight end, it's probably going to be later in the draft. A lot of those guys that that Matt's talking about, maybe not Irv Smith, but Hawkinson is definitely going early. So I think that's something that they'd have to actually commit a lot of assets to. I'm looking at a guy like Caleb Wilson, a guy that's a little smaller but has a lot of the technical tools to be able to do it. Not a great blocker yet, but he, he's a guy that I think could really contribute. The Chiefs could bring him in and try and help him, you know, put on a little extra mass and become a better player, more of a project tight end later in the draft.
1: Yeah, I think any of the sexy names at tight end, it's probably just going to be contingent on. like He's not a guy, kind of like with Armani Watts. They didn't expect Armani Watts to be there. It'd be, kind of have to be a similar situation where they didn't expect Hawkinson to be there, and maybe they pulled the trigger earlier, maybe like a, one of those second-round picks. They didn't think he'd be there. They just pull it because of the value or something like that. I don't think it's an early investment. Um, at Keith McLean.
2: Quick, you guys are killing my dreams of having the tight ends, but that's okay. If we are looking for a later tight end, Missouri fans probably got to be pretty used to him after this last week versus Vanderbilt. But Pickney, out of Vanderbilt, big guy. Maybe not the best blocker for his size, but he clearly has the frame to do it. And, I mean, the man just tore up Missouri up and down the field to start the game, and he's been fantastic this year. So Jared Pinkney is another name to look out for later on in the draft.
1: At Keith McLean, 78. Try that again. (laughs) This week. Mahomes was pressured in the pocket, and in doing so, he looked hesitant and took a number of sacks. Was this strictly an no O-line issue, or did Pat have the opportunity to step up, roll out, throw the ball away, or just froze?
0: Not
2: a single one of the above, but a little bit of everything. He held the ball a little too long on some plays when he did have outlets, and he didn't take them. There were other plays when he dropped back, and the same issue we've seen before when Sammy Watkins doesn't play... Nobody's open if the T defense is paying extra attention to Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill. And that's kind of what we had again here. I was watching back through the game on offense specifically just to see who was getting open. The vast majority of snaps, Chris Conley and Demarcus Robinson are blanketed when the ball's coming out or Mahomes is getting pressured. So sometimes yep. there just simply wasn't guys to get the ball to. I do think Mahomes is still figuring out how to call the proper protections. All the time, and without Morse there to help him, I think it's kind of been exasperated over these last few weeks now, as teams are throwing more exotic looks at him. But he's getting better. He just needs to settle down sometimes when he sees that pressure coming and know where his outlets are.
3: Yeah, and I think one of the complaints that that I could say about it is he he needs to throw the ball away a couple of times when he's when he is rolling out. There's been a couple of times this season where he has been in field goal range and he's taken a sack that that drove him back a little bit uh one of them for sure i know they hit a field goal and two more they gave up a punt but it's just a recognition thing at this point and yeah the interior offensive line is a sieve right now and since eric fisher was getting destroyed by you know uh chandler jones he he just didn't have a whole lot of places that he could go this week
1: yeah, and I think Mahomes got a little bit greedy on some third downs, too, because there was specifically third downs. He had outlets, and he definitely could have just gotten down and given those guys a chance to to maybe convert. And actually, I think at least one of them probably does convert, I think, to Spencer Ware close to the red zone, too. So, you know, it's just one of those things he's going to have to, you know, continue to get better at and navigate. Actually, I'm writing about it uh, on Thursday. So, guys, we got a lot of questions about the Rams and altitude, and obviously... Uh, That has changed, but there is one question I kind of wanted to ask about, you know, what's been going on here with, you know, the Chiefs in the Rams game moving from Estadio Azteca to uh, the Rose Bowl. Nice. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, fellas. Um, So the Chiefs now basically have a normal week and the Rams are kind of in flux going to Colorado Springs, getting ready to prep for that and then coming back. Do you think that will have an effect on the Rams? And we'll start with with Maddie.
2: I don't think it'll have a big effect. I'm more looking out for the fact that they're coming off, like I said, two emotional games. They had that shootout with the Saints who, let's be real, the Chiefs have been looking forward to this Rams game pretty much since we played New England. The Rams haven't had that luxury. They had to look out for the Saints first. That's a conference game. That's a bigger deal to them. They then come back with a hard divisional game against the second best team in their division. So more so than their week leading up, they're coming off two much more taxing games then they're going to go practice and stay in a high-altitude place, which would give them a little bit, maybe, advantage if you're going to go play in a high-altitude. But if you're playing back in L.A., I'm not sure I see the benefit to practice and try to recover in the high-altitude just to come back and play back home. I think they're just trying to escape all the buzz, but I don't think it's going to give them any advantage.
3: Yeah, that's, that's kind of the thing that's bizarre about all of this. The moment it was moved, they they committed to the bit essentially you know they they wanted to stay there they already had everything there probably would have been logistically very difficult and they might have even lost a day you know moving back to los angeles there but it does mean that they're not in the comfort of their own homes this is closer to an away situation this is closer to traveling to london and being out of your element being out of your normalcy yeah, it's not doesn't necessarily bode well for them which conversely for the chiefs you know you have such a fast offense and you have a number of guys on the defensive side of the ball that do have lower body injuries that even if they were willing to play this weekend, the Chiefs might have held them out. I mean, going long term, you don't want to lose a guy like Justin Houston. You don't want to lose a guy like an increasingly uh, better Reggie Ragland or Dan Sorensen. or you know that that's jeopardizing your chances to go on here. So I think that in reality, this benefits the Chiefs more than it benefits the Rams to have them in Colorado Springs.
1: Yeah, good stuff, guys. Uh, I don't have anything else to add. Um at David a 7 asks. This is gonna be a fun one. Hindsight is twenty twenty. If you are Veach in a time machine and can travel back to 2018 but had to take picks for the same positions, edge, D line, uh inside linebacker in the same order, forty-six 75, 100. Who are you drafting? Um, example, what edge would you take at 40, 46 instead of Speaks or if it would be Speaks? So I think one of our biggest issues, I know I probably speak for Matty, was partially the fact that they went edge D-line and inside linebacker as far as you know, the players and the value available for those per- specific players. So there is that element there. But if we are playing this game uh for me one of that at 46 i'd be looking at Gennard avery that's a guy i liked kind of in that rage as an edge and uh he's been productive he's been pretty good so far in cleveland uh what about you maddie as far as 46 75 and 100 who are you looking at
2: oh do you want all of mine or are we just going eh, just, time now? just
1: just just go quick on three oh, of them
2: sweet because now i get to have the best team 46 arden key Uh, he's somehow been made the number one pass rusher as a third round draft pick for the Raiders and while not been great he's very clearly shown that he was closer to what he was two years ago at LSU than what we saw last year with all the fluctuating weight he seems motivated at least for now so give me a chance on Arden Key to play edge over Breland Speaks at this point in time 75 this one feels like cheating because he was a clearly a first round player but Mo Hurst Absolutely. I love Derek Nottie. 100% love him. He's been phenomenal this year, and he's getting better, but Mo Hurst has been an even better pass rusher than Arden Key, and he's doing it from the interior defensive line. And 100, linebacker, there wasn't a lot of good linebackers left at this point in time, so it's kind of a tricky pick. I think Dwayne O'Daniel, I might just go ahead and stick with him if I'm forced to stay this. My only qualm would be if I knew how much we were going to keep, if I knew we were going to keep struggling so hard at traditional linebacker roles, I would maybe consider someone like Josie jewel, who I know can play a traditional linebacker role and not a dime linebacker. But I think, do Daniel's upside would still get me to persuade towards him?
3: Well, yeah, uh, Matt took my first two. So I'm mad about the order (laughs) that we're doing this, but calling it out audible here, uh, just because I had a, a group of second, if I had to pick, another you know sort of edge linebacker type guy uh maybe Lorenzo Carter a little bit. Um he he's got a couple sacks for the Giants already this year. Uh for a a defensive tackle Diadrin Sanat has been pretty good for the Falcons this year as well. And then yeah I, I probably would stick with Dorian O'Daniel but a guy that I love and just really love, and I know he hasn't been great this year, but I would take Shakram Griffin nine times out of ten. I just love the guy, way the guy plays ball.
1: Mitt, uh, I had Mer- – where did I have Maurice Hurst? like top five or ten. I loved Maurice Hurst. If it wasn't for that too, heart. Man. Me too. Gosh, we, me and Craig, like we talked about like trying to like – like basically playing like – would you if 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 maurice hurst was sitting there before the draft before we knew about the hard condition stuff like if he was sitting there at you know 25 would you trade up for him and stuff like that we just had all these questions like we loved maurice hurst um at hudson gma asks rams have given up or gave up nearly 300 yards rushing to seattle A third of the by uh third of them by russell wilson Why is that and how can the Chiefs best take advantage of their problem stopping the run?
3: I mean, in reality, the Rams are terrible at defending the run. A lot of the problems that the Rams have defending the run, we see on a week-to-week basis watching the Chiefs. They're terrible at tackling. Ogletree's been poor. LaMarcus Joyner can't tackle to save his life. And then they're just not being gap sound up front. You would think with guys like Aaron Donald, Sue, you know, being able to clog the middle a little more and come up and defend the run that they'd have a little more success. But no, they just simply don't. They, they allow more yards per carry and more yards per game than the Chiefs do, and they have a terrible, terrible run defense.
2: Yeah, and that's the only knock that's ever really been there for Aaron Donald is he's playing a single gap every single time, and the speed he plays is so fast that he will, you can let him run himself out of run plays right. very often. So, if you just run at him, he's going to take a gap to one side or the other of where he's aligned, and you just take a running back through the other hole. Sue isn't quite the same player he used to be to where he's going to be able to cover for that. And their linebacking core is just abysmal. Like, it's a bunch of guys that I'm not sure should be on NFL teams, definitely shouldn't be starters.
3: Don't they roster Rameek Wilson? They started Rameek Wilson for a little while. (laughs) He's
2: a starter. So. That's what you do need to know about that. He's the king at the 8 yard downfield tackle. <laughs> Always has been. And it's just so if the Chiefs want to take advantage of it, they can. You just have to be run at Aaron Donald. You can run at their edges even. Their edges aren't that good. Don't just don't run at Sue or don't give outside zone runs towards Aaron Donald's side. That's all you have to do. Just don't let Donald destroy the run game by beating faster than your blockers and you can pretty much run the ball wherever you want to.
1: Good stuff. Uh, at Darren D. Piggott asks, does K Pass have, Tano know, K Pass, have a mean long arm move? I thought I saw him use it a couple times, thought it looked good uh, rushing the passer on Sunday. And is he a better pass rusher than Breland Speaks?
2: I do think that K Pass has a very good long arm, very good, maybe strong. He has a good long arm, especially for his level of development. He knows where to put it in there. He knows how to get get off of it once he has. He also does a good job using those long limbs of his for a bull rush too. And purely as a pass rusher, just straight up one-on-one, I think he's better than Speaks. I do think you're starting to see Speaks get a little bit better grasp on how to rush the passer differently from snap to snap, whereas I don't think you've seen enough of K-pass yet to say he understands that. So... In a one-on-one situation, I think I'm leaning K-pass, but in the realm of the team game, Speaks might be starting to catch up to him, but that's probably just due to reps.
3: Yeah, and yeah, that's definitely part of it. Tano doesn't seem to have the same sort of plan. He doesn't seem like he's necessarily reacting to the offensive tackle. Not that Speaks is either, but I think that that's what you need to see out of Tano for him to get on the field, because right now, Speaks is uh understanding of where the play's going and where he needs to be is clearly higher than tano's he may not be able to get there but he he does seem to understand what he needs to do a lot better so if tano's going to get on the field then he needs to have a clear plan and be able to win a lot more often for him to be seeing the field as a pass rusher
1: right and i i think the reason that you're not seeing Tano Passanio is because they trust Breeland Speaks overall more and he's not going to get those opportunities to develop as a pass rusher live because they trust Breeland Speaks more at um, P Flum asks what do you think the plan is for cornerback after this season with Nelson and Skandrick both free agents after this year do they lock Nelson up uh, will there be a cornerback uh, will there be a cornerback we have a shot at in the draft and And would you give Orlando Skandrick another year? Tremont seems like he's improved enough going forward.
3: Well, just to to jump off of this real quick, throughout the preseason, we said multiple times that the Chiefs, as a whole, were going to have a better cornerback group this year than they have in previous years just because the overall level the overall ability to play within the scheme was definitely higher with this group and I'm getting that out now before they get torched by the Rams wide receivers this weekend so I just want to <laughs> point that out but uh no I I do think that as the year's going along we're seeing that Steven Nelson right now is very highly ranked by pro football focus he seems to be very highly regarded by football outsiders as well as Orlando Skandrick and Kendall Fuller's really come on as of late I think that they might try and float a low offer to Steven Nelson this year try and see if they can keep him in house but I don't think they're going to get in a bidding war with him and as I said a couple weeks ago I think Orlando Skandrick is showing his age a little bit I think he's going to take a step back in the future years i don't know that you want to hang your hat on that sort of thing so i do think that they're going to try and rely on some of these younger guys who can play in the system you know we when we went into this year we weren't sure what we were going to get from the corners or a lot of people weren't sure what they were going to get from the corners i think the chiefs might gamble roll the dice try and stick with some of the young options they have in house and make a small vet move
1: hey maddie i'm going to have you just pivot to draft specifically on this part because I think Craig did a good job. So just pivot to, to players they might target in the draft at corner first and second round.
2: You're my hero, Kent. Um, <laughs> no, I do have to say real quick, I agree with Craig that uh, Nelson is probably going to get an offer, and if he accepts it, I think it changes the draft philosophy wildly. If they bring Nelson back, I don't think you see an early, like round one, round two cornerback going that way. I think that still gives you a chance to let Tremont Smith develop even Trevarius Ward develop a little bit if you have Nelson, who they clearly like, and Fuller. If we don't get to bring one of them back and we get a mid-to-low-tier free free agent cornerback, I still think the draft's really an option. You're hoping, if that's your goal, that a Byron Murphy-type player slips down to the end of the first round. I I don't think so. The Greedy Williams struggle against Alabama, people are starting to question some stuff about him byron murphy might overtake that cb1 spot he's just a little smaller so that was the only shot i think you had to start the year Outside that, you've got some big corners if that's what you're into. You've got some little guys like the big guys. you got Chris Boyd, Bryce Hall. Both of them should be available at the end of the first round. If you want to wait a little longer and get somebody smaller like LaVert Hill out of Michigan, maybe Julian Love in the second round or into the first round, you've got some guys that can make some plays on the ball. It all depends on what style of corner you want. And I think right now we're seeing the Chiefs are bigger into faster, shiftier, smaller corners rather than the big guys. But you never know when that's going to change.
1: So I think that uh, I think Steve Nelson's going to be this year's Albert Wilson and get priced out of Kansas City. So I don't think Steve Nelson's going to come back. I think he's going to get a nice deal somewhere, and uh, he's going to count on that compensatory formula, fellas. Um, oh so
3: God. I, <laughs> I,
1: I <laughs> has to. I do think. I do think. You know, they'll probably go corner. I would imagine um, their second selection in the draft, wherever it is, if it's a trade up, whenever it is is going to be a corner. That'd be my guess. Probably edge and corner would be the order would, would, would be my guess right now. I, I could see him maybe bringing back Orlando Scandrick on a really, like a small deal similar to what they just did. You know, one year vet min, a little bit above vet men, something like that, just as depth. But, uh, and then maybe just going with like a, a, like a mid-tier free agent corner as well. So, Um, that's kind of my thinking Uh, and there's 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 a lot of ways they could go with this and they're going to be just fine at the corner position however they approach it I really do think they'll be all right guys I wanted to ask real quick before we left give me one quick key to the game on both sides of the ball
2: all right so offensively the key is going to be to attack Marcus Peters I don't think the Rams defense is set up in any way, shape, or form to be able to help both cornerbacks at the same time. They can only provide help to one side or the other, and if you're paying for Marcus Peters, which isn't a lot, but if you brought him in and the stigma around him, you're not giving him the extra help. So whether Tyreek Hill or Sammy Watkins, who I think is going to be super motivated and could really have a huge game too, but you just attack Marcus Peters with whoever, which whenever those two receivers you get on them, go right at Marcus Peters, make him play off the line of scrimmage, make him run with those guys down the field. Defensively, much better offensive line we're playing against, but I want to see Justin Houston play on the right side of the defense again to help against the run and just battle Whitworth up and down the field. I don't even need him to win a ton. Just give me one or two good timely pass rushes. D Ford, I want playing off the left side. He looks better there. He's a better pass rusher than Justin Houston anywhere on the field, but he's even better off that left side. Let him play off the left side. Let him go up against Havenstein and let Chris Jones battle in the middle. If we get pressure on Goff, he's much worse having to move off his spot and process the game on the move than quick, easy reads in the pocket.
3: Yeah, offensively, feed Kareem. Like we discussed earlier, they can't stop the run. Feed Kareem. Let him be your engine this week. Take, let the passing game take a little bit of a backseat. You still can go after Marcus Peters. You can still throw the ball plenty at Sammy at Tyreek, at Kelsey. But really, this is a game for Kareem. Let him run hard. Give him the bye week to rest up. And then on defense, you have to switch. You have to match against their 3 by one formations. They run so many rub routes. They run so many route combinations out of their trips formations. The Chiefs have not switched enough for my liking this this year. I mean, we saw it last week couple of pick plays, couple of rub plays got guys open. They have to switch. This week it is paramount that they do that.
1: Yeah, for me on offense, I think this game's obviously going to be a shootout. Um and I think it's going to come down to they need to protect the football on the offsen- offensive side of the ball. They cannot give up any opportunities to score and I think that they just need to protect the football still do what they're doing but they just can't have any turnovers and then yeah on the defensive side of the football they just need to affect Goff uh, do, do enough to affect the quarterback hopefully turn that into a turnover uh, and and they do that they're, they're going to be in good shape I think, the, I think this is going to be a lot of fun this is going to be the most fun we're going to have watching a game all year That's going to do it for us today, guys. We'll talk to you after Monday Night Football. Catch you later.
2: See you guys next week. Don't order a chicken finger sandwich at a barbecue restaurant.
0: (laughs) Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another...